everybody. Welcome to The Kelly O Show. I'm your host, Kelly Alexa. This show is dedicated to inspiring women of all ages to pursue excellence in mind, body, and business. After decades of playing small in my own life and staying in the comfort zone, a couple of years of massive chaos and drama in my personal and my professional life forever changed me for the better. Through some tough lessons, I evolved and I became a stronger and more confident version of myself, fearless and finally, unapologetically myself. I am now designing my life bigger and better than ever before. And most importantly, I'm designing a life on my terms that is full of joy and happiness. And I think that this is something that's been missing for so many women. They're either staying in the comfort zone like I was Or they've got a life that looks pretty good on the outside, but it's missing real joy and health and happiness. And that is no bueno. I believe that the future is female. And every week, this show is going to bring you incredible interviews and live shows that I hope is going to motivate you to take massive action in your life, to leave the comfort zone and go all in again to pursue achieving excellence in mind, body, and in business. I hope you enjoy the show and let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Kelly O Show. I am thrilled to have one of my dear friends back on the show. He was actually interviewed, gosh, I think in the first 50 episodes. I will make sure I link up to that interview in the show notes over at thekellyoshow.com. But I am pleased to have Tom Terwilliger back on the show. And the reason we had him back on the show is I saw on Facebook. So we recorded this episode about a week ago. We're in mid-May, middle of coronavirus, middle of quarantine, corona quarantine, all of this, yada, yada, yada. And I noticed that he was posting um, that he was releasing an ebook called The Combat Plan. And I saw some of the chatter and some of, you know, he was explaining what it was all about. And I just thought it was in perfect alignment with what I felt. Um, You know, there certainly is a lot of negativity, understandably, going around since this whole coronavirus became crazy and since we've all been in some degree of lockdown or another. But amidst all the negativity and job losses and the instability and certainly the tremendous loss of life, um, I have viewed this as, you know, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. And even for those of us who have lost jobs, who have lost income, which is really affecting more people than you realize, um, there still is truly a massive amount of opportunity out there if you look for it. If you sit at home and decide to look for everything that's wrong, I have been so guilty of this in many of the past several years of my life. Um, I have to catch myself or sometimes I have people that care about me catch me. Um, it's, It's very easy to do that, to focus on what's wrong, to focus on woe is me, to focus on how in the hell will I ever get out of this. However, I really believe, and it's always shown to be true, that if you're willing to say, okay, enough of this, enough of me feeling sorry for myself, enough of me focusing on the negative. I am going to get into massive action. I'm going to do something about it. It's amazing what can happen. And you can create a comeback plan and you can end up, it's it's been incredibly, I don't even know what the word is, ironic to me to, to, to know how many women I've spoken to recently who've private messaged me and said, you know what? I lost my job 
And this quarantine situation has helped me realize and helped me see how much I hated my job. And now I'm finally doing that thing I've wanted to do. I'm going back to school. I'm looking for a different job. I'm going to start that blog I wanted to. I mean, these are the types of things we're talking about. This is your opportunity for a comeback, um, for doing something, for taking your life in a completely different direction. And that's why we had Tom on the show. We actually recorded this um, on video. It was unexpected. So I'm pretty sure I was having a relatively bad hair day, but at least I had my makeup on. So I was, you know, a contour queen. If you want to watch the video, you can watch this over on YouTube. I'll link up to that as well on the show notes post. Um, But for right now, sit back and enjoy. This is a two-part episode with Tom Terwilliger, who's all about... Uh, mindset. He's known for being, you know, um, obviously he has extensive experience in the fitness space. Um, guys, Mr. America. I mean, he's competed in every bodybuilding and fitness type of competition you can imagine and won pretty much all of them. Um, he is in amazing shape. He's another perfect example to me of some, you know, he, he's a perfect living, walking example. He and his beautiful wife of this is the new aging. And and I hate to, aging has such a negative connotation, but you guys know it's one of the things I'm passionate about is showing people like, hey, you take care of your mind and your body and you live your life right. You can actually be looking better, feeling better and looking forward to your future when you're 40, 50, 60, 70 and beyond. And if you go watch the video, you'll see what I mean. But the other beautiful thing about Tom is he is incredibly motivating, inspiring, thought-provoking, and pulls no punches. You know, he's somebody who has a great perspective on life, has had a lot of ups and downs, but always picks himself back up and does great things. And he's very passionate about helping other people do the same. So sit back and enjoy. This is a two-part episode on mindset and on developing your comeback plan in the midst of all of this chaos and uncertainty. Enjoy this chat with Tom Terwilliger. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Kelly O Show. I am giggling because I have one of my favorite people who makes me laugh all the time, and we are also shooting this on video, kind of unplanned, but I'm good with it anyway. I just didn't know that I'd be able, able to get my mic to work, but I have the legendary, and now I'm so worried I'm going to butcher your last name. It's, uh-huh. it's Everybody Terwilliger does. Terwilliger. Terwilliger. Actually, it's pretty darn close. And it could be Jer or Er. It's actually Terwilliger. I thought it was. Yes, it's really close. It's a tough one to get. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tom, you, so you've been on the show before, but you and I, how, how long have we known each other? Uh, it goes back. I think we really met, um, was it... Blog world. Well, what it was, it was one of the conferences. You know, I was, uh, we were on a panel together. We were doing some interviews. <laughs> I can't remember. It was one of, maybe it was an idea, idea fitness conference or something. It goes oh, back. I would say it's, it's about, I'm going to say 10 years, but how fast time flies. It doesn't feel like 10 years, but it I could very that. well be 10 years. Cause I remember people saying to me, like there was, they were like, you're going to be on this panel and Mr. America is going to be on there. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, and then you looked and he's like, he doesn't really look like a Mr. America. <laughs> you are always Mr. America. You are. But um, you are true. And you know that I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Like, you are just, you're such a, a wonderful gift to the world because you're so full of positivity. And I mean, I know you're all about mindset and, and that's, part of your brand mindset matters and and yeah. but you're so good at that you're so good at helping people get out of a rut you know get 
get past, oh, I'm not motivated to go to the gym. Like you just, everything you say is, is like a miniature TED talk, but not in a dorky way. It's just like, it's profound. It hits you. It's good. And like, you're the walking, you and your wife of just the walking, talking picture of health and the definition of, you know, what it's like you and I were talking about aging before the show. And I put air quotes around that because I think it's such a, has such a negative connotation, but I think here's two people that define that, you know, aging is something to be embraced because it's the best part of your life and you can look better and feel better and be doing more things in the later chapters of your life than when you were younger. But I'm just, I'm so thrilled to have you back on the show because you're so talented. You're so intelligent. You're so freaking motivating. You're such a badass. You have a nice sweater on. So welcome to the show. <laughs> and I have my workout clothes. Because I'm a badass. But I said, nah, I'm not. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kelly. I can't tell you, it's just a pleasure to, have, uh, to be back on with you. And we've had that friendship since the first time we met. And I was uh, so impressed with you, even that first time, because not only were you, uh, you know, intelligent, smart, ambitious, but you were doing stuff. You were leading an organization and, and, and inspiring people as well. And, and I love to see that. I love to see ambition in action. That's the key. You know what I mean? Lots of us have ambitions. Lots of us. In fact, during this time, this disruption time, you know, we, I think for a lot of people, uh, there's been like a, a rattling of the cage, you might say, you know, and it, and it's made us look at ourselves, our environment, what we've tolerated for so long, and 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 we've had these ideas, these desires, these wants that we that we we want to write a book, write some music, or want to start a podcast, do a blog, whatever it might be, and that since that that cage has been rattled a little bit, it's it's a lot of people are thinking about it's time to get into action, and so when we first met, that was the thing that impressed me the most. It's like you're not talking about it. You're not, you know, professing it. You're doing it. You were in action. And that always, to me, impresses me a great well, deal. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I, I just, when, when I first saw your, I got a ping, a message from you on Facebook. You're just one of those people. Do you ever people in your life where you get a message from them and you're like, Ugh. <laughs> you know? yes, but you're the opposite. You're one of those people that I would never like avoid opening the message because Anything you put out is amazing. Anything I see that you're involved in, I would want to support, want to be a part of. And certainly I open up your message and I see that you have this, it, it's a book, right? It, that's, that's a word, yeah. about to, the comeback plan. And I, I saw it and I, I see the word comeback and I think about everything that's going on right now. And I think about you and everything that you're so good at as far as opening people's eyes to. I'm like, this is so perfect because hmm. not only is it perfect for particularly this crazy time we're in, this coronavirus, pandemic, quarantine, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> we call it all of it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's, this is what we're going to talk about today is applicable year round. We know that because it it, there's, there's too many people who let the shit storms of life run them over. Whereas I know you and I both believe, and we're living proof that the tough times are what can transform you and be just this stepping stone to greater things. Because I was just sharing in another interview that every single time I've had some of the worst times in my life, mm. biggest stepping stones of my life, big, biggest steps up into a bigger and better chapter. So that said, I'm, ex I'm, I'm thrilled to hear about what you've come up with and the very fact that you've done it so quickly in the midst of, I mean, we've only been in this pandemic, stay at home, quarantine, craziness, I think, what, three or four weeks? 
Yeah. And now you've got a, a it's just going on a month, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so uh, tell us what it's all about because well, I just it, took it, a glance and it looks amazing. Thank you so much. You know, I wanted to touch base on something real quick that you, you mentioned that, you know, that's the, uh, we could call them the setbacks, the, the, the frustrations, the discouragements, um, the, the, the punch in the face, the kick to the balls. And we all go through that in life. That's why, again, this, this book is pertinent, not just specifically to this particular uh, transformation that we're all going through in many respects, but also for uh, those other times, those other moments in our lives, right? I mean, for me personally, um, I was of the great fortune to have reasonably decent genetics wind up finding a great coach and some mentors early on in my career as a bodybuilder, um, even as a teenage bodybuilder. Um, but there was something else that also made the difference uh, uh, between just being a decent athlete and someone who took it all away, went to Mr. America and competed several times in the, in the Super Bowl bodybuilding, which is the, the Mr. Olympia competition. Uh, and that lesson, it was a lesson that did that. And it's exactly what you were talking about. It was, I went to a competition, I'd already been winning several competitions and collecting trophies, you might say, and starting to feel pretty good about myself, you know? I was like, oh. <laughs> Probably at that early age, you know, it's easy to get cocky. And I might've got a little cocky even, you know? And my coach, my mentor recommended I go to a competition, this particular show. And I wasn't really training for it. I was in decent shape, but I wasn't, I knew I, 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 knew I wasn't quite ready. But he said, no, no, you should, you really gotta go. He knew exactly what he was doing. When I got there, because I hadn't fully prepared and I, and I thought, you know, I can walk. It's a lower level than what I've been winning. I can walk off of it. You know what I mean? And I got my butt handed to me. I mean, it was like the most humiliating experience, you know, during competition, bodybuilding competition is what's called a prejudging. Uh -huh. That's where they take all the contestants. They compare them side by side. It's a very grueling experience, several hours. And that gets done mostly in the morning. And then in the evening, I have the performance show, right? So that's for the big audience. And you get up and you do your routine. You do your thing, right? And some music. And I did not, after the morning prejudging, I was so humiliated. I didn't get called out once for comparison. It was just like, kid, you shouldn't have been there, right? And, oh. and I knew it. And it was embarrassing. And I didn't want to go back for the night show. But my mentor my, and my dad encouraged me. They didn't force me. They said, the choice is yours. But if you want to learn something, this, learn something about commitment, about staying the course, win or lose, it doesn't matter. You stay the course. You made a commitment to be here. You do the whole thing. It's up to you to do it. And I did. And, uh, and it turned out to be one of the best lessons I've ever had. Because like you said, sometimes we need that push. We need that kick in the butt. If we're able to get back onto our feet, and sometimes it's very difficult to get back onto our feet. We know that. It can take several months, sometimes years even, you know. There's been a couple of times I've been knocked down. It took me a couple of years to come back. But in that particular case, it fired me up. The next day, I didn't want to train again. I didn't want to. I was, I was done with it. But within about two weeks or so, it was like the fire started churning up again. And instead of thinking, well, I lost, that's it, I'm done. I started thinking, well, what could I have done better? How could I have prepared better? How could I have planned better to actually be prepared and maybe, maybe hold my own at very least in this competition, right? So it gave me a different mindset, a different perspective. And I really believe that anyone who wants to be a champion or really be successful in life has to have gone through once or twice where they get kicked to the gutter. And listen, I'm betting that everybody watching or listening has been kicked to the gutter once or twice. And maybe even this pandemic, this crisis, this setback, whatever we want to call it, this disruption, maybe this is that moment for you. I don't know. But all I can tell you is if you've got the gumption, if you can find the wherewithal, the faith, the courage, some, some support and create a plan, there's a big comeback for you. It's, you. You will find your silver lining. 
And that's where, that's really where this book came from. And it's, and it's interesting that you said that uh, I was able to get it out so fast. Indeed, I was able to really kind of create this thing in about three days, but caveat, three days. But the caveat was that um, I already had a book that was slated for publishing early next year, early in 2001 of a different title, a different name. And, uh, but it had information in it. A lot of what I used in the comeback plan, the seven step comeback plan um, that I knew needed to be out there now, now, today, not tomorrow and certainly not next year, although it certainly is apropos for all those things we talked about, but it needs to be out there right now. So I literally went to battle with my publisher. I mean, it's just like, oh, are you crazy? You can't, no way, we've got a contract, you don't have to. So I, so I, so I talked to him, I said, listen, we'll tighten it up, we'll abbreviate it. I went from about 250 pages to about 50. So I said, we'll tighten it up, we'll abbreviate it, but I want to get the tools, I want to get the context, I want to get the mindset training out there. And a lot of the exercises that are in there that help people shift their mindset, shift their belief system, begin to understand how, what their perspective is around this thing and the perspective they need in order to be able to start to move forward to have a comeback. So I talked him into it. He allowed me to do it. So within three days, I converted the book into something that we have now, which I think is every bit as, more, every bit as powerful. Sometimes books have too many stories. You know, I mean, it's just like, there's a lot of extra fill. We want to fill pages, you might say. And those stories help set context. But by tightening it down, I think we've, uh, we've been able to provide something for people that's going to make a, a big, and already beginning to make a big difference in their lives right now. I cannot wait. First of all, I cannot wait. I made sure I, I haven't touched it. I haven't read it because I wanted to have this chat first. And I, I just, cool. I know it's going to be amazing. And I know I'm going to be sharing it with everybody because I mean, Tom, I've even like after our last interview, I just remember, I think I was putting your bio or something up on the show notes or, or whatever. And, you know, I just stumbled on some of your YouTube videos and just everything you put out, I will take something away. You know, mm. I, you, you'll say something that I'm like, oh, that's just what I needed to hear. And you, you really are obviously so good at helping people transform their mindset. There's a lot of people that are listening, I know, um, and I've observed this. I'm sure you've seen this on Facebook. So present time considered, what I see a lot of are people, a lot of people complaining, a lot of people talking about, I'm so bored, um, I'm so trapped, I've lost my job, people just angry. But but instead of doing anything, mm. they're they're just focusing on reacting. Right. And there's a lot of those types of people, in my opinion, where they're going to hear us talk about mindset and go, what, what does that really mean? And my favorite response to people that say that when I, when they say, when I say, you've really got to get your mind in the right place, they're like, well, how is it, you know, how can I have a good attitude? It's beyond a good attitude. And my favorite quote, I don't know if this is one of yours, I'm guessing it is, <laughs> is that quote that says, we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. Yes. And to me, I think that could never be more applicable than where, where the times that we're in right now, because you can either look at it as like, oh, woe is me. I'm going to sit and watch Netflix all day, or I'm going to do something because this is my opportunity. Sure. I lost my job. But this is my opportunity. Cause you know what? When I lost my job in 2008, when the market crashed, I was unemployed for 13 months, but because of being unemployed for 13 months, I got on YouTube. I got a, I started my blog. Mm -hmm. I started getting on Twitter. My dad's like, what are you doing on this Twitter thing? Tweeting all day, get a job. But I, you know, I did it. And because of that, that ended up down the road, 
I founded a profitable seven-figure business. I then founded a six-figure business right after that. It's profitable. I've worked with some of the biggest brands in the fitness, health, and wellness space. I met Tom Terwilliger. I mean, like, <laughs> come on. I've been on stage with Mr. America. All True. of those things happened because of the worst, the some of the worst things that happened. But during that time, I chose to make that setback a comeback. And it, it, did, it was a comeback. But explain to people that are listening who, who are in that place where they're like, life sucks. This is shitty. I have no money. I don't have a job. What are you talking about mindset? Like, why is that so important? Just a lot of people, I feel like they're waiting for a handout. They're just waiting to be rescued instead of yeah. doing something. Well, unfortunately, I mean, and I talk about this in the book is that, the, the, you know, regardless of the other six or seven steps in the process, because the book is really about creating a, it's a blueprint. It's a, uh, it's a template, you might say, for creating your plan, whatever that might be for you. Some people want to start a blog. Some people want to write music, write a book. Some people just want to find a better job or improve their relationship. They're not happy with what things were completed. And who is really 100% content with life even as it was before this disruption, right? So this is about creating that plan along the way. Um, but the first thing I talk about, and I spend uh, several pages, almost an entire chapter on the mindset piece around that, because what you're talking about is that victim mindset. Oh. And I tell you something, that is one of the most disempowering mindsets that you can have. Uh, this, it, 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 because it's, it, number one, it comes from a state of confusion and fear and doubt and uncertainty. And so we feel like, somehow this was done to us, right? And in many respects, if you change your mindset, this experience, this setback, whatever we want to call it, maybe it wasn't done to you. Maybe it just happened or maybe it was done for you. If we could change that mindset around, this was something that created that, that I needed this rattling of the cage. I needed this disruption. I was getting stagnant. I was getting, I was in a plateau. I was in a rut, whatever it might be. But we have to be able to first identify what that mindset is. Because if you're in that victim mindset or that anger mindset or deep into that fear, confused mindset, it's going to be almost impossible. We know this from research that when you're in fear, doubt, uncertainty, or you feel like a victim, it is impossible to see the opportunities that are directly right in front of you or maybe surrounded by. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, and, and it may even get create the type of mindset that is just like, what opportunities? What in the hell's name are you talking about opportunities? I have no job. I'm not making any income. I granted, I understand how you could feel that way. But the question is, does feeling that way, does believing that and acting accordingly serve you? Is it going to, is, is it going to get you any further or is it going to continue to get you more of what you don't want? So That's we've got really to first make the decision. We've got to change it. Can you say that again? Because what you just said is like so key. That was such a profound thing. So many people don't realize is like, what did you say about, is that serving you? You know, all the, all the bitch. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, a, you know, listen, being, and, and uh, I call it a stuck state, right? So if we're in this stuck state where it's just like, we're confused, we're uncertain, we're afraid, we feel like a victim. And as a result, we're angry. Because sometimes if you're, if you feel like a victim in a circumstance like this, the next natural response is to get angry and freaking pissed off about it all, right? And then you start blaming, you start pointing the figure, the finger at someone and not taking any responsibility at all. Because the, and I'll repeat what I said, which is, okay, fine. That's understandable that you might feel that way. It's human nature. We get it. We totally get it. But does it serve you? 
Because they, ultimately, do you want your circumstances to remain the same or you want them to change? Because if you want them to change, then you've got to change your mindset. You've got to get out of that victim mindset and say, you know what? I, I understand I feel this way. I've been pissed for a while, but no longer. Now I'm just going to change because it doesn't serve me. It doesn't move me forward. It doesn't get me what I want, which is to get out of this place of feeling like a victim. So we need to be able to change that. But, and the first step is really understanding it, recognizing it. And this is one of the things I do in the book. I help people recognize where their mindset is. Because uh, keep, I'm a big believer that, and even in the, the book that will be released sometimes next year, there's a lot of content in there. And the content can help set, set the context around what we want to talk about. But it's the exercises. And I learned this early on. And you've probably done this as well. I was a, you know, you've got the book. I've got a bookshelf right here. It's exactly, it's like, it looks exactly, in fact, there's probably half the books on your shelf are the exact same books that I have over here, right? I have no but, doubt. <laughs> yeah. So we consume, we consume, we consume. And I did find myself early on consuming so much that, that I was foregoing the exercises. You know, in any great book, you look at Tony Robbins, you look at uh, Maxwell Maltz, you look at any of the authors back then that were writing these great personal development and, and uh, transformation books, they all have exercises. Mm-hmm. It's about, okay, here's the understanding. Here's what we know. Here's what you now know. So let's do this. Here's an exercise to get you into a different state or to understand your own state. And here's an action step that can help you get out of that, right? So I've done a lot of that. There's a lot of that in this book because it's not the, it's not the content that creates transformation, or changes mindset. It can give us an understanding, but it won't do anything on a cellular level to make any changes, right? The only thing that can change us is action. As soon as we start to take action, we create a new belief system around that. So the belief system that you may want to adapt is certainly one of that this is an opportunity, an opportunity for change, for growth, um, uh, to experiencing something new, to learning something new versus being a victim. And I got to tell you, Kelly, this is interesting because when my wife and I, Dawn, first realized, because at first we kind of we were flipping around. It was the whole coronavirus thing was a distant threat. It was out there somewhere. It wasn't going to affect us. It never was going to affect us. You know, it was just, yeah, we shrugged it off. And then all of a sudden it hit home. Not so much as we knew someone who personally had the, the virus, but it hit home economically. When they shut down here in Denver, Colorado, they shut down everything, you know, and we couldn't, I couldn't visit with my clients. My clients didn't want it. They always had masks on. It was just, it was a totally a radical shift that impacted us tremendously financially. 90% of our income went away from the business. It just went away. Now, who do I blame for that? Do I blame the virus? Do I blame China? Do I blame Trump? Do I blame somebody else? Or do I say, you know what? We should have been prepared for this kind of thing. We should, we should know that this may happen, could happen. So that was number one. But number two, we had to make a decision. So the empowering decision that changes the mindset, and this is the first step, by the way, the seven steps in the comeback plan. The first step is what we call, I call the empowering decision. You've got to make a decision. So for Dawn and I, as soon as we realized the economic impact that this was going to have, before we even made the decision, and this is the reason I bring it up, it's because we allowed ourselves to go into that victim mindset. We were angry. We were pissed. We were confused. We didn't really know what to do. And we felt like our position and our power in the marketplace had been taken away, been stolen. And if somebody's stolen from you, you're a victim, right? 
So that was our mindset. And as a result, all we could focus on, or 100% focus on the problem. When you focus completely on the problem and you feel like a victim, there's no way in hell you can see the opportunities. And there's very little chance of changing a mindset without a massive shift in the decision-making process to get you out of that and into some action inertia. So without saying too much, what we did was we, we made a decision. We realized what was happening. We made a decision. We said, this is not going to break us. And then we made another decision. We're going to thrive in this environment. So we did two things. One, you know, the power of the, uh, you know, towards and away from, which is the pain and the pleasure that motivates most human beings, right? So the away from is the pain. I don't want to experience this pain anymore. I just, I'm, di- so I'm, just, I'm making a decision. I'm not going to f- experience this pain, which is it will not break us. That's the first decision. The second decision was the towards. We will thrive. And when you've got both the towards and the away from working for you, then all of a sudden, with that decision and a commitment to it, a real, you've got to make a solid commitment to that decision. And as soon as you do, then all of a sudden you start to see the opportunities. That's when, honestly, I didn't see the, I didn't see, I mean, it's like, hey, we've got a book, you know, in the queue to be published next year, but I, it, I didn't even give a second thought to it during this process until we made that decision that we were going to thrive. Then all of a sudden it was like, wait a second. We've got this book. You know, we can modify this. Let's talk to the publisher. Let's, I mean, it was almost instantaneously that we started to see the opportunities that were out there because the mind shift changed. If you're in fear, doubt, uncertainty, and feeling like a victim or believing you're a victim in some way, shape, or form, you are blinded to those opportunities. You change the mindset, change the decision around what this really means to you, all of this, and all of a sudden those opportunities become available, visible, Right. This is why it's good we're on video because I can raise my hand. <laughs> I know because I tend to get verbal diarrhea and I apologize. Oh, no, 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 no. I just, I'm, I'm trying to be not like my dad and interrupt. And who should I, I I'm an interrupter. I interrupt all the time, but I'm trying <clears throat> to just go, oh, oh, I've got something. That's so, your job. You're the host. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you just, there's several things that you said that we can, I can share from my own experience. Absolutely. Fundamentally true. And one of the quotes that I use for myself that on, on your last point is what you look for, you will find. Yes. And so you were talking about how you, you know, you can, you've got these people who are like, oh my God, I've lost my job. I have no money. I, you know, my kids are at home. I can't do this. I can't put them, you know, they're looking at everything that's bad and they're angry and they're blaming and they're in this mindset. Well, wait, when you're in that mindset, all you're going to be attracting, whether you believe in the law of attraction or not, whatever. But all you're focusing on is look at everything bad that's happening to me. And I was there. I was there when I was going through some of these tough years. I kept going. I was I was in full victim mode, full mm. on victim. I'm surprised I didn't have a T-shirt that says "Call me a victim." I'm Kelly victim. Um, but you know, you, you go through that phase, and because that's where your mind's at, you're looking for all the bad, and you'll find it. Like that's when you get into such a bad mood that you, you know, you bang your elbow on your desk, and you're like, "Oh, see, my desk, even my Nothing desk." Else your pen runs out of ink, and you're like, "Oh, of course, my pen runs out of ink." Like of everything course. pisses you off. But then when you decided, you know, in, in, in the other story, you said you and Dawn decided we're going to do this. We're going to thrive. All of a sudden, 
the things that you wouldn't be looking for before are going to, you know, whether they manifest themselves or they become clear to you or suddenly you just, because you're in a different state of mind. It's absolutely true. If you decide, you know, like they've always said this before, if you decide that you want to have um, a pink Mercedes, that's, mm. a, you know, say it's a white Mercedes. All of a sudden, when you're driving around, you're going to yes. start seeing white Mercedes everywhere because you're, it's on your brain. It's what you're focused on, but you're focused on something that you want versus what you don't want. So I think that what you just illustrated there is so true. When you're in that bad place, all that's going to appear to you is more evidence that, yeah, you know, life is a shitstorm right now. Let me give you some more. And yeah. so all the more reason you've got to, you know, shift your mindset around and then suddenly you can, it's like, it's like you're on a treasure, treasure hunt. You know, you can just find doors that are going to open for you. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's, it's interesting because as you're talking about it, I, you know, I, in my mind, the metaphor is sort of like, we've got all these different filters available. These are all filters that we have out here, depending on our mindset and our focus. You, you, if you, if you have the mindset of the victim or if you're stuck, because you don't have to feel victimized to feel stuck in fear, doubt, and uncertainty. I mean, it's just, we, we don't know what's going to happen. So you get stuck in that mindset. That's like a filter coming down and in front of you. And that's everything you're going to see is put through that filter. So even something that has a different meaning, even so, uh, I, my pen ran out of ink, of course, right? The other filter, the opportunity filters, oh, my pen ran out of ink. You know, I've been dying to get that new pen. This, yeah. th that new, oh, I love that pen. And I've just been waiting for this pen to run out so I can go get it. So now you got this new pen and it's awesome and you're writing more and you're fun and it feels good in your hand. It's just a different filter. The same experience, but it's the interpretation of it depending on the filters. And the filter is the mindset. And that, when we talk about mindset, a lot of people understand, well, what is this? That's what mindset is. It's the filters that you put in front of your consciousness and your, in your entire in representation, your vision, your hearing, your, your, your sense of smell, the kinetic, uh, kinesthetic touch. All of it is filtered through a specific type of mindset, right? And it is interesting because I, I wrote in the book, I write about these four, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's actually, you know, a growth mindset. When we talk about the mindset, the overarching mindset is a growth mindset that we want to adapt. And it's been written about, but I have, I have uh, like my definition of an, and it entails three different mindsets that work in conjunction with each other to create this growth mindset where we can see these opportunities and take advantage of those opportunities as well. Because seeing them is one thing. Because if you see all the opportunities out there and then you think to yourself, well, that's for somebody else. I, I could never do that. You know, I could never do that. I'll give you, a, there's one, there's an interesting one because the first one of the three, I call the beginner's mindset, right? In the begin so a beginner is, I mean, for example, when you're a kid, when you're a kid, you're open and receptive to almost anything. You might be a little shy, you might be a little timid, but ultimately, you'll go up and play with other kids and you'll try new things. And nothing is really like impossible. You can imagine so much. Our imagination is so broad when we're kids. But it's only as we begin to age that we begin to put limitations on what's really possible and what's not possible based on what we've experienced before. I tried that before. I couldn't do it. So now it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we're just going to try again. Maybe we're going to try from a different end, a different perspective. I don't know. I mean, I'll give you an example. When I first, you know, I love to use my bodybuilding metaphors because for me, they, they really relate and resonate. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time I walked into a real bodybuilding gym. I was about 14. I might have been even just 13 years old. 
And I remember I wrote, I'd heard about this place called Future Man Gym in Amityville, <laughs> Long Island. And it was, I, I caught, Amityville, remember the Amityville Horror? Remember the movie? This was like the original Amityville Horror House, man. It was brutal. But it was like a hardcore bodybuilding gym. And I remember I rode up there on my bicycle. It was about a 20-minute ride on my bicycle. And I, and I, I must have stood out in, sun in front of that place, like, like wiping off the glass was all steamed up because all steamed up in it. And I like trying to look in. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? The banging, the clanging. I hear screaming and yelling in there. I'm like, what is going on? But I knew this was where I wanted to be. I'd already like had made this decision. I wanted to be a bodybuilder. This is what I wanted to do. And I walked in and the whole place intimidated me. The machines, the skinniest guy in the gym intimidated the hell out of me, right? And, but I heard this big ruckus going on in the far corner. I later found out that was the leg area. That's where you trained legs. You know those old gyms where they had like, there was a special area for legs, man. You know what I mean? Don't even go in there. Don't even go near it. And I remember hearing this ruckus going on in the leg area. And I turn abruptly and I'm like standing in the middle of this gym, all these crazy bodybuilders. And I see this guy get out from under the squat bar. He had about 500 pounds on his back and he gets out, bang, bang. And this is when the weights were metal. And they clanged and banged and made this racket like bells almost. You know what I mean? It's still, I still feel it when I hear it, you know? And this guy steps out from under the bar, and he was, at the time, the most enormous human being I've ever seen. His name was Steve Mahalik. He was a Mr. America, Mr. Universe, and he was training for his next contest. So you can imagine he was, he was big, and he was ripped, and he was a badass, you know? And at that, at that time, nobody was wearing nice workout wear. It was like ripped up old, shredded. They looked like you'd never been washed, you know what I mean? Like this old tank top is barely holding on by a thread, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, whoa. And my, my young mind first, I couldn't comprehend what I was seeing. How? And so I, I remember distinctly asking myself, how could a human being look like that? And here's the interesting thing, and I don't know if you picked up on it, you might have. That question, how, was the key. Had I walked into that gym, if I had had the balls 20 or 30 years later, if I had walked into that gym and seen that, even if I wanted to be a bodybuilder, if I had walked in and seen that, I might have had a totally different perspective. I might have said, that's impossible. I don't know. Forget it. And I might have left the gym and never given myself the opportunity to even find out if it was possible or not, all because of some preconceived earlier ideas and notions about what is and what is impossible. But as a kid, we have this beginner's mindset. Hey, everybody. This marks the end of part one of this two-part interview with Tom Terwilliger. Make sure you tune into part two.